Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels, and I am here with Jim Stavis. And as I'm saying this, I see Brianna Doby is getting on the call. And today is Friday, December 9, 2016. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brianna. Hi. 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 Uh, Jim, you just started to say something, and I said, oh, let me turn on the recording. So, Go for what it. I was gonna, what I was going to say is one of the two um, chapters that you sent to me, the one that's on Michelle, it, it didn't, it, it didn't quite. If you were to look at it, it's a, there's a little bit of gibberish on the, on the. In the direction of On the writing that, it, so it didn't come through, and I tried both, tried both, both you, of them. When you say when you say gibberish, what do you mean? I mean words that are kind of like don't go together. You know, it's like um, I don't know like how you do it. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, but it didn't uh, transcribe right. Um, the oh, second, the, second the, the other one was fine. The, the Dirty Harry one was fine. But um, you should look at that because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really – read it. Are you um, are you in front of your computer right now? Well, I, I actually, you know, that is possible. I read it on my phone, and possibly my phone does it, you know, as opposed to if I was to look at it on a computer. That, okay. is, that, is, so that I, is a possibility. Let me resend it right now. It'll take me like two seconds. Um, I know um, uh, Brianna, um, Jim was just saying when right before you came on that you're like, you know, flying all over. He said every time he talks to you, you're in a different city. So um, have you had a chance to look at it or not? Yes, I I got it this morning. I have it open on my computer. Okay. And did it open okay for you? Um, Jim, I think it's because it's with both of the versions were in correction, um, Denise. So if you open one of them and accept all corrections, Jim, it should work for you. I see. On one okay. version. Okay. Yeah. I, I just I just sent it again. I said chapter resending. It says in the subject line, and I sent like the nice cleaned up version. So, okay. Um, if you're if you're able to take a look, you know. Okay. I feel sad when that happens. It's like. Here I worked on it like crazy, and then some marvel of technology results in you not being able to read it. So, anyway. <laughs> right, right. Well, um, okay, that's good. That's good. Um, but the, but I'll let you at least skim through it. Okay. Hold on. Are you are you doing it on your phone or on a computer screen? No, no, I'm doing I'm doing it on my phone. But let's let's see. Uh, I didn't get it yet. I got the out, the updated outline. I see. Uh, okay, well, yeah, let, well let's, let's let's continue. Well, let's talk about dirty. Let's talk about the dirty hairy one because it sounds like you got that. I did. I did, and I like I like that chapter a lot. I mean, I I'm not exactly sure where it fits. I mean, maybe your updated outline is going to tell me where it fits, 
Um, I don't well, know. We we talked a few. Yeah, we talked a few weeks ago, and um, when you have a chance to open the updated outline, you can see we made it. Uh, we decided to make it chapter fourteen. Okay. Okay. Um, and my other thought on that was it would it would have been a good chapter that I was perhaps using the Michelle uh, vehicle to like as if I was telling her what I was stating in that chapter, but I know that that wasn't necessarily how we wrote it because when I wrote it way back when I didn't have Michelle in the in the picture. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I, I don't know, you know, again, how much are we going to be able to integrate Michelle, uh, into the story? I mean, I, I do like, um, the way we've introduced her, I think is great, but I don't know if we're going to be able to use her on a, you know, a continuing basis throughout the story. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, what we have on what we have on the outline when we talked about it, and this was, I'm guessing, about a month ago when we uh, when we last talked about it, is um, are you able to open the updated outline? For some reason, I'm not. I mean, for some reason, my phone is not. It's saying make sure I have good network conductivity and try again, but when I try again, it doesn't work. So I might not be in a good place. I don't know. Sorry. Are you in the car? I'm in the car, yes. Okay. I'm always in the I'm always in the car. I know. I know. I know when I talk with prospective clients, when I send them a contract, it says you can't be in the car. But I didn't put that in your contract. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's very funny. That's very funny. Well, okay, you know, well, you learn things as you go on, right? Yeah, I know. Well, I'm. Uh, so, all right. Actually, actually, what I might do is I'm I'm sitting outside of a Starbucks. I might go on and use their um, Wi-Fi and see if I can get better um, a better. You know, so I might do that. Starbucks. Starbucks Wi-Fi works for me. Right. That's Always what I was thinking. For me. So, so, so maybe I'll no, do that. It's always good. Okay. Um, now, um, Brianna, you're, you're still there, right? Yes, and I, um, I'm sitting here looking at the outline. So what I was going to do since I saved it on my desktop is um, what are the ones that we um, have? I was going to bold the ones that we have a final version of the chapter. Okay. So we have we have we have Bruin Woods. We have Bruin Woods. We have the second half of Bruin Woods. We have uh diagnosis that changed the tide. We have second half of diagnosis. We have making a living. We have second half of making a living. And uh, Jim just said he likes Dirty Harry. Okay. And I'm hoping he likes number four, which I changed the name to 
a surprise, a surprise visitor. visitor. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that 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 um, I think that works well. And we have marooned in Madison, right? Or hopeless, uh, we, or whatever that. Is. Yeah, I need to split it in half. You know, that's not a whole lot of change to it, but. Yeah, we definitely have marooned in Madison, which throws me on a second line. I don't want to do that. Yeah, in fact, we, we renamed it um, Staying Hopeful, Not Hopeless, and I think that it's split in two, but that's not a lot, you know. All right. Um, I have a pretty good version of got a lot of noise in the background. Can you say that again? I I missed that. I said we I I said we got a lot of feedback here. I don't know if it's something it's to because do with I'm, Starbucks. It, 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 I'm, in Star, it, I'm, in, I'm in Starbucks. That's the reason why. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If I said I don't know if it has to do with Starbucks or somebody's phone or whatever. But um, just passing through, we've got a pretty good job on that. We got I got to split it up. You know. The only ones that really haven't been touched are um, Chapter 15 on. So that would be the transplant. Um, we said you were considering a chapter for the caregiver, uh, foot amputation, what to do when you think you're in the clear, business adversity, loss of a partner, and how do you deal with adversity. So those are Chapters 15 through 21. Okay. Those are the ones that have, I mean, you may have, you know, former uh, newsletter articles from those, too, but, but we don't have chapters from them. At least we haven't, you know, don't have them, haven't seen them in a while. And, and, Brianna, I have sent you transplants, um, yes. kind of rough, rough for, I think, yes. um, for both the main transplants and then the, pancreas transplant, but I know yep. we've, we've kind of put those on hold until we have the other stuff done. So Yeah. So, you, yes, I have those raw, and then I also have chicken, the chicken soup. So you wrote about the, the donation story, the, trans, the first transplant and the second transplant, and then we also have the chicken soup for the soul narrative that we can pull in some things from, too. Right. So we have, we have plenty okay. for those two chapters. Okay, I don't have anything about chicken soup for the soul on my outline here. Um, yeah, it's it's not. It's just something we wrote about. Um, it has it it ties into the donor, the donor um, boy who um, had passed away. And part of my part part of my question to you is, I haven't we haven't really talked about how much do we want to include that um, in the dialogue um, of my story as what, you know, my relationship with the donor family. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's in the outline. I don't, I don't know. We've, I mean, that's a big part of right. the story, but, but I'm not, I haven't really focused on that because this is more of my story right. rather than, than his, right? 
Right. You, you're definitely right, Jim. It's not in the outline anymore. I know it's something that's significant to you and it's important to you. Have you written about it? And I have, I'm sure you have. You've written about it, but I just haven't seen it yet because it's been back and forth between you and Brianna. Yes, we we could we yeah. could uh, send you a bunch on that actually, because um, I've I have written, I've written a lot about that. What would you say, Jim, is um, important about that to you that you also see as being relevant to the reader? Um, certainly, from a human interest perspective, I mean it is. A big part of the donation story is, um, you know, what does it mean to get somebody else's or organs? Okay, I'm going to hold on. Hold on just a second. I'm sorry. Um, so, meaning, meaning, I think that it's a very, it's, it's a meaningful part of the donation story, and um, the fact that I met the family is a unique. There's a uniqueness all to that, and you know, my relationship with the family in terms of um, how it has helped them in terms of the healing of the loss of their son, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly, it's a, certainly an uh, emotional grab for many to hear that story. Um, so I feel mm -hmm. like to leave, it, to leave it out, I think, would be inappropriate. But the question is, how much do we want to dedicate to it? I mean, it probably could and be covered in, it could probably be covered in two, two chapters, I would say, probably. And Doreen, remember, letters. Jim, she didn't she didn't agree to the chicken soup for the soul one, and she also says she wants to write her own book one day, which I'm That's not true. sure if that will really happen. So I do think that there is something to um, – you could do reflection for yourself, but after working with Doreen last year on that chicken soup for the soul little submission and how hard it was, I think we would – we need to keep it as much in your court as much as we can, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I probably shouldn't well, go off. I think, I think off definitely keep it generic in terms of, like, names of things. You know? Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I think, I think what, I think what, what it's meant to you, and I know that over the years, since you've had the transplants, you've had a number of meetings, meetings with the mother of the boy whose organs were transplanted. But, you know, I think probably that first meeting was probably the most impactful and had the most meaning. Right. True. Um, you know? Do you think, Brianna, based on the comment that you just made, that I shouldn't even use their names? 
don't I don't know the legal stuff as well, Jim, to be honest. I mean, you've been in news stories together, so her name has been disclosed. I think the only thing I worry about is, you remember with Doreen, she flipped yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she got yeah. really no, upset. You're right. you're right. So I don't know. I'm afraid to add a whole layer of um, if she had, like, if you're talking about this is it's public record that this is your donor and this is the family and they've made a documentary and all of that. I mean, maybe it's just as simple as, you know, talking about the meeting. Um, but you know, yeah, and, 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 talk, and, and talking about the process of, you know, a very small percentage of people have, actually have the opportunity to meet their donor or to contact them, and I can talk a little bit about how that happened. And the fact that um, I could even mention the fact that I was in the Rose Parade um, holding yes. a picture of them, you know. Um, you know, but, Jim, first off, think about how small the percentage of the population is that ever receives a transplant. And then yes. what subset of that knows who the donor's family is. Right. No, it's it's very small. You know? In fact, in fact... Back when I did it, I was told that the percentage was less than five percent actually um, have a you know an encounter with their family, the donor family, and then less than two percent actually meet the donor family. So that's a pretty small percentage, according to my uh, my uh, compadre Brianna. That number has really gone up because of the internet. So people are finding one another much easier than they used to. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. it's not as it's not quite as rare as it once was, but still I don't you know, many donor families have no desire to meet the recipient. So um in my case they did. So I was pretty I was pretty uh, fortunate, I think. And I think and I think it's a story worth telling. I mean I do I you know, for a lot of people they uh really do um, they find that, that, that there's quite an emotional connection because that somebody died in order for me to live, and that that's a compelling part of the story. I mean, just to, just to talk about my side is like telling half the equation to hear the full story um, where somebody had to die in order for me to live. That's that's pretty dramatic, you know. And that's, that's, uh, it, it, Jim, it, Jim, do you remember your good messaging, though? Remember how we flipped it? It's not that someone had to die. It's that someone was going to die and whether or not they would save someone. So I think that yes. can be the thrust of it, too, is yes. take that narrative and then flip the message because that's what you did with the media outreach. And it was so well-received. People loved that. People loved yeah. it. So I, I think it's something well, that we should cover. It's, it's, it's something we should cover. But I, I also don't want it to be the main focus of the book. I just think it's part yeah. of the story. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think really. I mean, it falls into these chapter fifteen and chapter sixteen. You know, and um, I, you know, I think that gives you plenty of leeway to talk about what your experience was like, and and maybe talk about what the meeting was like with the family the first time you met. You know, but even though it has been, you know, public record and in the newspapers, Brianna says, you know, you never know when people reach the point where they go, enough, I don't want this out there anymore, or you you don't know. And then even though they chose to do it before, 
all of a sudden they feel like now the privacy is a breach in some way. Yes. Well, I, I believe that the mother, her name is Doreen, um, Doreen, as Brianna said, has always had a desire to write her own her own book, and so she wouldn't want to be, um, you know, saying anything that was contrary to what I would be saying, but uh, right. odds are that'll never happen, but, you know, I, at the same time, I don't want to be so presumptuous that, you know, and then be wrong. But, you kind um, of trample over that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I, there's a way to do it so that I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not saying anything um, that would be controversial re- regarding yeah. him. And um, and we can work on that. We can work on that. I, I, I'm, I don't believe that that will I be think, a problem. I think the safest way is changing names. You know, changing changing what? Changing the names of the person. I think I, I think I think if I if I left it to first names only, that's probably acceptable. I don't even need to necessarily mention the town that he's from. I could say a town north of Santa Barbara and yeah. leave it at that. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need to. Yeah. So. I I would I would. I would obfuscate it even a little bit more than that. I would still change the name, you know. Um, yeah, Doreen could become Noreen. I mean, if the guy's name was Steve, it could be, you know, something close to that, Sean or something. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would, but it's your book, so you do what you want, you know. Okay. I just feel like you don't want you don't want problems later because, over the years, she's changed her point of view about it in some way, shape, or form, you know? So, yeah. anyway. anyway. And what were the circumstances of his death? Um, an auto accident. He was a football player, and after practice on Halloween day, they were going home in a car. He was the driver, and um, he had... Um, Basically ran ran into a telephone pole. So, wow. Was there was there determined to be alcohol or drugs involved? No, there wasn't. There wasn't. I mean, from what I've been told, there was no. Um, it, it, was, it was a bit of a it mystery. Was recklessness, I think. Yeah. Jim has right. been the implicate. I mean, young driver maybe is the best right. way to say right. it. Young driver. Right. Um, and, and, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, so we, just, so we, just can, we can deal with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because, it, you know, if the truth of the matter was there was, you know, a DUI, well, I mean, there's not going to be a DUI because he, he died of his injuries. But, um, you know, if there was drugs or alcohol implicated, then that would be something, you know, that could cast aspersions. You know what I mean? It's just kind of outing him or his family in a negative way. So they, they never, they never, they never. They never really expressed to me what really happened. So for me, it's a bit of a cloud. And, you know, obviously, I I do know that the other families who were involved in a very tight-knit, small community never went after them. They were fearful that they would, but they never did because I don't believe that they thought that there was anything to to be gotten. But, you know, so the family was from from as it was relayed to me never really 
they weren't very specific about um, what actually occurred, you know, and it certainly wasn't my role yeah. to, to to figure it out. Right, so. right. It's because it's the other boy died too, Denise. So the the, the other boy in the car died as well, right, Jim? So there right. was um, the, yeah, one the that, two families. One that, died, one that died and one that survived. Right. So. Right, right. Oh, so they're okay. right. I know, um, uh, Jim, I've told you that I used to work with a pretty famous author, um, Robert Allen. And uh, during the time I was working for him, he was driving down the five back home. He, he, I mean, he was Mormon. He never drank anything in his life, but he was incredibly tired, had pulled an all-nighter the night before and, and, and now was driving home. And it was night and it was rainy on the five. And he had one of those little Lexus sport cars. I, I don't know what that model is called, but it's a real sexy-looking kind of sport car. And he ran into a telephone pole. And he lived, you know, but it was debilitating for a number of months. You know, thank God he had a good business partner. So, anyway, but, yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so Denise, I, I'm still um, – the uh, the question, of course, on my mind is the um, the chapter. I guess it's now three. The um, you know I know um, I sent you a revised one back, and I haven't gotten a response from you as to if how you that that's the that's the understand the problem chapter. Right, right. Do we? Right. Do I? Have, yeah. I. Do we, you know what? I printed it. All, I printed it all out, and I've kind of taken some notes on the printout and everything. And I have a feeling how I'm going to do it. But I thought, you know what? I mean, really, this isn't like you know, I press a button and I just you know turn this on. It's like I got to have an idea in my head how I'm going to go about it. And I just thought, you know what? I just want to. I hope Jim's not upset with me. I just want to give it just a little more time before I go forward with that. So I decided to work on the. Um, Okay. Two chapters you sent me yesterday instead, but I, I definitely have not forgotten about it. Believe me, and I took your notes to heart about, you know, yeah, we want to cut this out, but we don't want to cut it. You know, it's like we gotta find something to replace it with, kind of thing. So I'm I'm very cognizant of that, you know. Okay. So anyway, and we had talked about the idea of um, either splitting. I understand the problem into two, and one of them was about the three types of questions or kind of blending it all into one shorter, tighter chapter. And I think right. what you opted for was blending it into a shorter, tighter chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a little bit redundant. Yeah, so. that's, that's correct. I, I just don't want to beat them over the head with that um, that chapter. It's It's almost like I would like the – story to speak for itself rather than me for setting the table so much that they're going to look at it and go, oh, well, you know, he said this, that this was going to do A, B, and C, and it didn't. So I, that's, why, that, that's where I'm coming from. Right, right. So I would, I would say the next thing to work on is the transplant chapter. And um Brianna, do you feel like you have enough to write that up, or do you need more from Jim, or how are you feeling about that? 
So with what Jim's written so far on um, that will be 15 and 16, I, I can I can take a draft. I have a lot of raw writing for that. I think okay. I think which which you may have, Brianna and 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 or Denise, you might send it to Denise as well because there's probably going to be some gaps that you as the reader might say, yeah, Jim, but you didn't talk about, you know, you didn't talk about the, what was the recovery like? What was the, you know, how much pain were you in? How, what, what was the, what did you say to Renee as they were wheeling you down the, the hallway before, you know, those kinds of questions I would think you might ask that I didn't include in my, you know, my kind of factual, this, happened and then this happened and then this happened. I mean, that's what I found um, in my first attempt at writing is that I had a tendency to gloss over some of the details. And the details is probably what sells the story, is, is kind of getting, getting into some of the inner parts. Thank you, Jim. You're really getting this now. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of part of the value that I believe that both of you are able to provide is to ask those questions because you you have a right. curiosity, you know, like well, what well, right. well, that's that's a good story, Jim. But what about this? You know. Well, Jim, let me let me ask you this: What did you say to Renee, and what was the look on her face when they wheeled you down the hall for the transplant? Um. I said, I'll see you on the other side. And that could be taken a few ways if you think about that. It definitely could. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, it definitely that, could. That could mean a few things, but I, that was the, the words that I chose to use. Um, you know, and in my mind, it meant, in my mind, it meant I'll see you after the surgery. But one could right. say, that I was saying, in case it doesn't work out, I'll see you on the other side. Um, right. And do you have you ever talked with Renee about how she took it? Um, not really. I mean, honestly, not. I mean, I don't know in the in the bigger picture. I don't know that it ever really mattered. But it is an interesting comment that I that I. It that definitely I, is. Yeah. Do you um, remember the look on her face? Was no, she? I, did she seem confident, I, I, or maybe wiping? I would be wiping back tears before my husband even was rolled yeah, in. You know. I think, I, I think that I was trying to maintain the moment so that it didn't just become a tear fest, and I was trying to okay. uh, present a front that I'm going to be okay. Just believe me, I'm going to be okay. So. So I never, really, strong I never really, I never really went there where like, you know, we both broke down and had a moment of cheerful, you know, goodbye. I, I never like wanted to, I didn't want to make it sound like I was leaving her. I wanted to make it sound like I was just going through, uh, you know, a, a another procedure. That procedure. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you stayed the strong guy, the dirty, hairy. How lucky do you think you are all the way through that? Yes, very much so. In fact, <laughs> what was what was amusing was I once had one of my sons, one of the fathers of uh, my son's friends, 
came up to me afterward, after the whole, actually one of the things at the speaking engagements, he said, your son would tell my son that um, my dad's having a triple organ transplant, but he's going to be okay. And the dad, being the wiser one, thought, boy, he's really, I mean, (laughs) I hope he's going to be okay, but you know, I don't think sure. he understands. He did, I don't think Brian, my son, understands the magnitude of what I'm going through. And sure, sure. So, so when he heard that, he thought, "Wow!" I mean, Brian made it sound like I'm going to the dentist for a root canal. Um, sure. In fact, in fact, and so that that kind of demonstrates how I projected what I what I was going through to my children because I made it sound like. It's all going to be good. I'm going to be fine, and life will go on, and don't worry about it. So, how would you I, feel? How? Would you, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. Finish your no, thought. No, no, I, I that, that was kind of that, I was kind of done with that okay. thought. How would you feel about mentioning maybe one sentence of something? You know, kind of hearkening back. You know, a chapter or two to Dirty Harry. And that idea of, do you feel lucky today? Um, no, that's that's probably okay. I mean, it it is there that dirty chapter, Harry. I'm, I'm sorry, the dirty Harry chapter really does right. exemplify my view of life. I mean, it really. And, but like, and Brianna, when more that, do you, when more it, do you need to feel lucky? than being wheeled down the hall for a triple transplant. I'm sorry, say that again? Well, I said, when more in the course of your life would you need to feel lucky than when you're being wheeled down the hospital floor for a triple transplant? Well, in fact, I had this this feeling. I mean, this this is, I remember this feeling is that I would think to myself, how twisted would it be that I survived all of these other things, all of these other near-death experiences, only for me to die on the operating table? How twisted would that be? How wrong would that be? (laughs) Right. Somehow I, I, I kind of logicked my way into believing that, it has to be okay because it's always been okay before. It's always worked out before. It was, it was a done deal. I, I don't, should this be any different now? And, and that, yeah, it was a done deal. I mean, I know that's twisted logic, but that was really where I was. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Jim. How painful was it after after the anesthetic and all that wore off and you came to? Um, in retrospect, it wasn't as, you know, I, I've suffered much more pain and, and um, I mean, when my foot was amputate, partially amputated, that was far more grueling and um, harrowing than I ever had with the transplant. But there were okay. moments along the way, and, and, you know, and probably the whole dialysis saga was far more mentally challenging than the transplant ever was. So there were other, you know, parts of this story which were 
far worse than the actual transplant piece. But, you know, the, the transplant piece was kind of the grand event, if you will. You know, that was right. yes, that was really the, the main entree. But there were so many um, other moments along the way that were probably more harrowing than that, you know, as far as me- challenging both mentally and physically. Right. So we have here, we have here on this uh, new outline, the foot amputation comes after the transplant. Is that that's the chronological correct. order it happened in? Yes, that came like three years later. Okay. So if we were going to like, we're not comparing, well, this was more painful than the transplant or that was more harrowing than the transplant, like what, how would you describe I know it's kind of hard to describe degrees of pain, but for the person who's, like, interested in that instance, how would you describe what the pain was like with the transplant? I would say there's different levels of pain. I mean, there's there's physical pain, there's mental pain, psychological pain, you know, there's there's I mean, pain is kind of a general term. Um, it's kind of category. So, yeah, so, you know, sure, there's any time you cut, you know, you, let's say, crack open your chest, there's obviously right. going to be pain, right? But is, it, right. Is, that, is that more difficult than having a hard time breathing because your kidney function is not working right and, you know, I'd have nights where I was, you know, felt like I didn't know if I was going to make it through the night. I mean, those, those, those to me were more painful episodes than the actual physical pain of having to go through the, the hardship of surgery, you know. So, right. so when, but, I, when, but, I, look, you know, when, when I look I, back on yeah, go ahead. Yeah, when I think about surgery, it's like, you have this plate, this cavity, or this whatever in your body. I'm not thinking of a cavity in your tooth, but I'm thinking like your thoracic cavity, for example, okay? And right. it's been closed your entire life, and now all of a sudden it's like split open. And to get to the right. heart, they also have to open up the ribs, I believe, you know, right. I think, anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's a really serious major trauma to a body. And there has to be pain with that. But, of course, they probably have you drugged up on a lot of uh, pain meds as well. Yes, you've got an anesthesiologist there that's monitoring you. So, I mean, you're kind of out of it for the most part, right? Right. 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 Okay. And then what was was the recovery like? Um, Each organ was different. So... You know, for let's say for the kidney, it was probably the most mild of the three, and and really the net effect was I was able to basically start to urinate normally, which you know I I for most of my life urinated normally, so that was not like oh my god I'm peeing again. So the kidney was probably right. the most you know that was that was the least the, the least of the three. Um, the heart and the pancreas were more um, probably more of an adaptation, more um, 
you know, transitional, hard, harder, and in totally different ways. I mean, the the heart was more of a um, having to learn. Um, I had to get used to the heart, and the heart had to get used to me. Um, like, what does it, it mean when you say you had to get used to the heart, and the heart had to get used to you? Tell me more about that. Well, when you when you cut out the heart, um, you know, you basically have a nerve which attaches to your brain, and so your brain is telling the heart you know, when to speed up, when to slow down, you know, you're going to bed, so you know you need to slow it down now, or you're going to climb a hill, so you need to, you know, you need Ramp more, it up. more blood to be pumping to your legs, et cetera. So, you know, the body naturally communicates between the brain and the heart. But when you cut out your heart, you cut the nerve between the heart and the brain, which it's all, it's the nerve is called the vagus nerve. And, and right, basically, so you put this new heart in your body that has no connection to your brain, and now the brain, right. now the heart needs to learn. Okay, now I'm in a new body. Now, what are the needs of the new body? And and literally, I I went through this process where I it's like I would almost say to my heart, okay, time to slow down. We're going to bed now, and it would want to just keep beating and beating and beating, and then finally it would realize that. Oh, okay. I guess I can slow down, and and you know, and likewise in the morning, I, it's time to get up. Okay, heart, <laughs> I need you to wake up. Let's let's start beating. Time to so, rev up. Yeah. So I know that that sounds kind of it's it's intuitive to believe that the heart is is just knows what to do, but it really doesn't because you put it into a new environment, and it's a it's a different environment than what it was before. I mean. I, I had gotten used to never hearing my heartbeat, and now all of a sudden they put this heart in me, and I could hear the beating of my heart. It was weird to me. It's like, oh, my God. It's like, why is it so loud? Well, it's just because I wasn't used to a you know 17-year-old heart in my chest. I was just going to ask that. Did it have something to do with the fact that the the heart that you received was like less than half your age? Very much so. So the, right. the heart, right. and it was a very, and, a, and he was an athlete as well. So he had a very, you know, I probably a high performance heart to boot. You know, I, I, I got a thoroughbred, I got a thoroughbred heart put into, a, you know, a, a donkey of a body. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. How long did it take you before? How long were you in the hospital? Um, about three weeks. I was in intensive care for about ten days, and then three weeks okay. total. So twenty-one okay. days. Okay. Um, and and then, then when you when you came home, you came home, right? You didn't go to like a rehab center or right, anything. I, right. I came home. Okay. Yeah. And how long before you started thinking about like resuming normal activities like work and, you know, things of that nature? I I went to work three months from beginning to end, but it was like three months. So Okay. Uh so that wasn't you know, it's not that long of a time really. Um 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long, how long did it take for me to resume where I felt like my life was kind of normal was probably six months, you know, okay. because I, and, and with a transplant, you're really not out of the woods until, you know, six months to a year until the body has not rejected the organ. And so I was having um, biopsies, heart biopsies. At first there was every week, you know, for three months, and then I would have them every month, you know. So, so they're very uh, protective to make sure that there's no rejection um, of any sort. And then the, the further away you get from the surgery, um, the likelihood of success, the greater the likelihood of success. Right. When you, the period of time when you came home from the hospital before you started normal activities, which would be like a little bit over two months, you know, because you said it was three months from the time you had surgery, would you say um, you, like your body really needed and wanted rest, or were you going like a little stir-crazy or cabin fever wanting to start getting out and doing things, or... Well, what was your mindset like during that time? Well, I was still uh, mentally involved with work. I mean, I was still writing my newsletter. I mean, I, hear, I remember being in the hospital bed at at Cedars and actually writing a newsletter of what I was feeling at the time, which was, you know, pretty unusual, I think. But that, you know, part of my um, aga was, I felt like I, I wanted to document what I was going through. Um, and so I never really, I wouldn't say I ever got stir crazy. I was more, um, you know, trying to rehabilitate my body. I mean, to go through an ordeal like that really does put your body through quite a, you know, an upheaval um, of sorts. So um, I I went to cardiac rehab, which was, um, at first daily, and then it turned into like three days a week where you're basically monitored while you're on a treadmill and you're doing, you know, kind of bringing your body back to uh, a normalized state. So I remember that so, pretty vividly. So that would be, that would be like the, uh, the equivalent to maybe physical therapy with a, with a sports injury or, you know, something of that yeah, nature. Yeah. That's correct. You go to a okay. you go to a place and they monitor, you know, how your heart is functioning and your blood pressure and um, you know, it's it's kind of a a safe environment for you to be working out in. Right. It's not like and what like, about I couldn't just go to the gym and work out on my own type of thing. Right, right. Do you do that now? Yeah, I do. I, in fact, okay. yeah. Would you would you go would you go for a run on your own now? Oh, absolutely! I do everything on my own. I I golf. Okay, okay. I do everything on my own. I I'm okay. I live a far more normal life than I ever used to. Okay, and then the the transplant of the pancreas. It's like all of a sudden you didn't have diabetes anymore because your insulin was doing what it's supposed to do, or was that gradual, or how did that kind of show itself? Um, that was somewhat immediate in, the, in that um, the, 
by by um, transplanting a pancreas, you are um, the, the, my body then produced insulin um, naturally, so I didn't have to um, I didn't have to put you know I, I didn't have a pump anymore. I didn't have to put insulin into my body because the body would do it naturally. There was a transition period though where I had to take meds to kind of help the body. Um, you know, like until the body could fully get used to what my needs were, I had to um, take some period of time. But really, the pancreas started functioning almost immediately. And um, it was, that was, of all of the transplants, the pancreas was the most liberating because I had lived most of my life without one. So, I couldn't, right. Rem- right. I couldn't remember what it was like to be able to eat anything and not have to test my blood sugar, you know. And, and so, so for me, of all of the three, that was the biggest change that I felt like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable not to have to take insulin every day and have to measure my blood sugar and, and whatnot. So um, that was really amazing. How how far along were you when you realized, holy cow, this whole thing worked. It's like I have, you know, almost like a new body in a lot of ways. Like that that level of just sort of gratitude and belief. It's like, hey, my luck held out again. Thank you, Dirty Harry, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it, it continues to be a wonder for me, I mean, I, I still am in, in absolute wonderment of how fortunate I am just to be at this point during this, you know, time in the world where the medical technology can do what it does and, the, and we have the doctors. And whenever I had, you know, kind of a problem, there always seemed to be a solution for just happened to be the right one for me. And um, I mean, it really does go back. If you, if you, when you look at my approach to life, when I, when I was 17, and I was told all of these horrible things that were, you know, kind of possibly going to occur in my life, and I basically looked at it and said, "Oh well, I'll deal with it then." Well, mm-hmm. it, it, look, looking back, I say, "Oh my God, how, you know, kind of like." Um, you know how 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 could I have been so wise at such a young age to believe that there would be a solution for me down the road, just not knowing what that solution might be, but having a belief system that said, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do the best I can, and hopefully, you know, as my life goes along, there's going to be a solution for me because there always has been. And and so that's right. what, you know, it's kind of like a, in some ways it's naive, but on the other hand, it was, it was incredibly, um, uh, optimistic. You know, just, yeah. I, I, like I, in some ways I predicted it, not knowing what the prediction would be, you know, but I just had this fundamental belief that it was going to be okay. Right. I mean, it, it, right. it's hard for, it's hard for me looking back to, to be rational about it and say, oh, well, of course, I knew then that there would be a solution then, 
Well, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. It just kind of worked out that way. Well, and the thing is, when you were diagnosed in the early seventies, a right. lot of the solutions, you know, twenty five, thirty five years later, didn't exist. You know, right. exactly. exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. Wow, this is really good. Is this is this helpful for you, Brianna, as you go into? Uh, taking what he has and, and turning it into two chapters? Um, Jim talked about a lot of that in his raw writing. So, yes, okay. um, she, she, yeah. she, knows, she knows a lot. I mean, okay. so, right. So what parts of, you know, like I just asked a whole bunch of questions. What parts would you say are missing for you, Brianna? Um, I, I just sent you the Chicken Soup for the Soul submission, which is an oral history of Jim receiving his transplant. Um, and then part one and part two, um, the heart, kidney, and then the pancreas. I think a lot of that is, um, I, I definitely will go back and listen to this as I'm actively editing. I think Jim captured, you and Jim captured a lot of what he parts of what he had written about at least. And then I also sent along the heartbeat speech that Jim gave in May um, where he talked about the vagus nerve and um, a heart getting to know a new body. Um, so it feels pretty good. I think there were some moments in there that I'll catch when I go back and do the line-by-line -line revision. Okay, okay, good, 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 good. Um, Jim, how do you feel about it? Well, I think it's... I think it's great if we can um it, it it's it's kind of interesting for me to see um, a lot of it takes shape and it's got a, it's got so much more texture to it after the two of you kind of review what I say or write and then kind of put your um your your spin on it because I think that in in many ways it just gives it so much more. Uh, color and texture to it than just me giving the just the facts, ma'am. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, right. I, it, it, it just, I think that it flows much better. Even like again, going back to the Dirty Harry chapter, I wrote that probably three months ago, and and so for me to reread it now after uh, both of you have edited it, it just. Um, I, it's, I I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I, it was as if I was reading it for the very first time, and it was. It was oh, that's cool. Fun. It was fun for me to read it because I thought, wow, that's that's pretty wise. I mean, a lot of that stuff was really uh, well thought out, well written. Um, and you know, I, I honestly couldn't tell you how much of it I wrote and how much of it you guys wrote, because you know it's been so long since I wrote it, but I. I thought it was very uh, insightful. I mean, I showed it to one of my employees. Who's kind of he sits near me, and I I use him as a sounding board. And he read it. He read it uh, yesterday and went, "Wow, this is amazing. This is great stuff." And I said, "Well, good. I'm glad it. You know, I'm glad you feel that way." So, yeah. in some ways, the, the, I, I I forget. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, is as long as it resonates with you and it feels like something that you would think and say, even though, you know, uh, Brianna and I, you know, both took our hand at it, um, that's what matters, you know, that's what matters. Yeah. 
So anyway, I hope when you're able to read the uh, the surprise visitor, I mean, there was I did a lot of moving around of stuff, you know, in that in there, but I really liked the way it flowed when I finished it, and I hope you do too. So well, I I'm um, I took a few liberties with the Michelle piece. I actually changed her last name also because I didn't know, like, I, I didn't feel that it was the kind of thing that, you know, if, if she didn't want to be in the story, like, to the degree I felt like, you know, I would, uh, you know, but, but it's all based on actual, you know, truth. What happened? But, what happened? Yeah. So here's, here's what I'd like you to be thinking about. I mean, um, Brianna, you obviously, you know, know, I mean, what's next for you is writing up the transplant story, and I'll send both of you the link to the talk shoot thing. Um, but here's what I would like um, you to be thinking about, Jim, is the next chapter, and we have kind of a question mark if we're going to do this one or not, is for the caregiver. And so I have in parentheses next to it considering this. You know, so I want you to make a decision if that's one that you want to do. Um, and if so, like what would be important in that? Um, you know, I would imagine you have things that you've written over time about caregivers in your newsletter, you know, so maybe kind of bringing those forth a little bit. And then the other thing would be, um, in the outline, at least, you know, which can be, you know, cast in jello, not in stone, although it is firming up more and more, is in the, um, after the two short chapters on making a living, um, is we had put in one or two chapters about conversations with Michelle. Um, because in the chapter that I just sent back to you, a surprise visitor, it was kind of a generalization of your connection with Michelle and the kind of conversations you had. But like you were telling me one time about how you walked down and there she is and she's doing her yoga and she looked kind of pensive and you were like, gee, what are you thinking about? And she said something like, well, you know, you don't really want to know my problems or whatever. And you were like, well, try me, you know, and then you had this great conversation. So kind of drilling down into like a little bit more specifics of maybe questions she asked you, which became the vehicle or gave you the opportunity to share the things that you wanted to share, both with Michelle and with your readers. Right. Does that right. make sense? Well, and that that was why I kind of thought that the Dirty Harry chapter would have been a good one for me to, as if I was imparting all of that to her because in a way a lot of that embraces my my view of life you know my my kind of fundamental um, way of thinking which could have been me expressing that chapter to to Michelle but I you know we didn't really write it that way so I don't know if it's yeah I, I kind of like you dealing with Michelle as Michelle rather than here you are with a 22-year-old young woman and saying, hey, did you see the Dirty Harry movies, da-da-da-da-da, you know, like this is how I think yeah. about life, but but more responding to her in a more personal way 
to the things yeah. that she was questioning or concerned about that also would be questions and concerns the reader might have. Right. Well, you know. I think, I think that um, a lot of the, let's say, the um, idea of Michelle is that here was somebody that was going through her own adversity in her own life, you know, with the, the passing of her father, her, you know, wondering about her future once she graduated school, what was she going to do? And, you know, she she went through the normal um, uncertainties that we go through in life and, you know, concerns about how we're going to deal with those uncertainties. And I would, and I was trying, and I would be imparting to her, you know, Michelle, look at me with all of the stuff that I've had to deal with. I had no, um, you know, I had no blueprint for my life. I had no game plan as to what, how it was all going to unfold. But yet I had this fundamental belief that it was all going to be okay. And based on that, that was, that was kind of my guiding, um, you know, my, my guiding light to, to, go forward in my life not knowing. And and there's a message in there for everybody. I mean, there's a message for all the people that are going through stuff in their life and wondering how am I going to get through it and you know, and and if you if you kind of have a positive outlook and you have a belief and a hope um you know, you're going to be a much a lot of a lot of that is going to help create who you ultimately become. You know, it's like it, it it has a bearing on how you'll um, go through your life because right. it, 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 it has an influence. It plays a role. It's not like, you know, you're just going to let the chips fall where they may. I mean, you're kind of looking at it like you're, you've got more of a, more of a belief system that it's going to be, it's all going to be good. I mean, right. would you rather? I know. So anyway, so that was my my pep talk to her would be somewhat of a pep talk to the reader, I suppose. Right, right. I I know when I was that age at 22, when I graduated um, from college, I just felt like a boat, like floating around without my moorings because up to that stage of your life, everything is kind of laid out for you. You know, now when you get out of co- when you get out of high school, you're deciding where you're going to go to college. You're deciding what you're going to major in. But when it comes down to the details, it's like somebody is telling you you need to take this class, this class, and this class. You need to get this GPA. You know, and you figure out how much you got to study to do that. You know, but then after graduation, it's like, wow, I got the rest of my life to like make it happen, figure it out whatever and 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 it, i remember being scared and going to the school count the university counselor a couple of weeks before graduation to talk about it you know so anyway so, yeah. so, so, so part of my you know discussions with michelle might be about how do you you know how do you live your life when you don't know what lies ahead you know how do you mm-hmm. develop a um you know, kind of a game plan when the details, everything is in such a state of flux. And then and then you throw into that, 
you know, life throwing you a curveball along the way, like your father passing away, who I'm sure was a significant assistant to her in terms of being able to help her with her decision process and her, you know, what, what am I going to do with my life? And you, and all of a sudden he's taken away from her. So she's, she's now a little bit lost and how do you find your, your bearing and, and okay. go forward? You know, so, so in a way I helped her through that process and, and by my discussion with her, perhaps, a reader might say, oh, well, okay, that's interesting. You know, maybe I, that'll help me too. I don't know. Right. That's, that's, well, that's the idea is that it will help them too. That's the idea of the whole book is that it will help them too. And, I mean, it sounds like, you know, during those conversations, in a way, you were kind of playing the dad card. I was. I absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, and she, and she turned out the better for it, you know. I mean, you know, I think it's always interesting that young people really have, you know, and I'm thinking like kids and teens and everything, even if they are surrounded with challenges, they have a tendency to reach out for that which feels normal, like a, a parent figure if that person is gone in their life or, you know, something more solid if, that if things seem to be all topsy-turvy, you know, they have a tendency to reach for um, what's what's kind of emotionally healthy for them. So, anyway. Uh, some, some, some do. Some do and some don't. And, you know, it's, I, I, I always knew that Michelle was a bit of a superstar. I mean, she was really a, a bright, um, incredibly um, unique girl. And I always found you know, that that um, she just needed a little help, a little guidance, but she really mm-hmm. had, all, she had all the right stuff, you know, in it, and, right. and, and she ultimately found her way. But it was, you know, life, you know, doesn't always, you know, deal the same cards for everybody. So, anyway. Right. And, and it sounds like, you know, she had all the building blocks, but maybe she also needed a little more, a little confidence and courage. Yeah, I agree. I would totally agree yeah. with that. Okay. So, so okay. I, you know, so I could probably build at least one chapter on um, some of the the guidance and the lessons that I could impart to her, which that the reader might, you know, embrace and 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 you know. Take, take in them in their own life, in their own view. But, you know, you could decide if it's one chapter or two chapters. I don't know. Yeah. That would be that would be awesome if you would do that. And then also make a decision about if we want to do a caretaker chapter or not. I mean, it, 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 when I think about the caretaker uh, part, I think about it almost goes back to my partner um, when I tell the story of Doug, because he didn't have the caretaker, and so it's almost mm-hmm. a, that's almost a better chapter for me to talk about um, the importance of having a um, having a support system. But I'm looking at it almost from the perspective of 
myself rather than the perspective of the caretaker because I, I wasn't the caretaker. I'm the recipient. So, you know, I don't know. It's, well, what is interesting is there's lots of books written by caretakers and they, you know, probably relate more to the caretaker than my story does because, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was the one being cared for rather than being the caretaker. I mean, sure, sure, sure. I mean, Brianna, sure. Brianna wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, so many books are written by caretakers because they're written about their what they're doing for their husband or wife. And, you know, that that, that probably appeals more to a caretaker than perhaps my story might. Yes, no? Brianna still here hanging. Uh, it says that she's on the call. Maybe she's muted for a moment. Oh. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I that's the reason that I think whenever you bring up caretaker I get quiet. Because <laughs> I okay. don't know that I I don't know that I can speak to um being um as a caretaker. Yeah, because I've been I've been the receiving end of the caretaker. Um I, I, so, I, so I, I, I wrote down, right, I wrote down uh, just a question. Does this belong in the chapter about Doug, which is chapter 20, business yeah. adversity, loss of a partner? So if you could make a decision um, um, in, about that. And I actually, yeah, just coming from my perspective, I think that's smart because, one, you're saying there's already a lot of books for caretakers you know, and B, you weren't a caregiver yourself. You were the one receiving the care and right. sort of that that contrast of the fact that he didn't have that as much as you did. Right. So, I mean, right? That, that could be included in that, in that chapter without me necessarily diving totally into it because I think I, I believe that a caretaker and a support system is incredibly important to get you through the ordeal of it all. But I don't want to, you know, I, I, I can't profess that it's, you know, something that I have a whole lot of expertise in. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm hoping you'll have a decision on that and we can decide if we want to delete that chapter or not. But okay. um, anyway... What would you say you learned today? What did I learn today? Um, well, don't I open word that, attachments in your phone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that I think that every time we have these discussions, I get a little more clarity on, um, you know, the overall direction of the story and you know I do appreciate the fact that you want to continue to use the table of contents as the guide whereas I have a tendency to want to just um, you know kind of go as we go um, and so it does provide a structure which is living and breathing but it is a structure that I think that it's, it's important to adhere to so that's that, for me, is an important um, thing. 
I'm. Uh, so we're not starting fresh every time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I do. Uh, yeah. It it kind of gives me um, keeps me on point, if you will. Okay. All right. So Brianna is going to be working on the transplant chapters. We have it listed as chapters 15 and 16. Okay. Um, I'm going to be working on splitting up more of these chapters that are, they're in pretty good shape, but I need to split them up as I did some of the others. Um, finally, you know, wrapping up the I understand the problem uh, chapter and tightening that all up. And then you are going to be thinking about conversations with Michelle, you know, and what yeah. you want to convey to the reader. Um, as well as I like the idea of sort of combining just a little mention of the caregiver in Chapter 20, but kind of right. like making a decision for sure on that. So, okay. So also, and, and the one other thing we've added that we, that's not in your table of contents is the kind of the donor story, how I met the donor family, um, what that is meant. That, is that going to be in... Is that going to be in the transplant chapters? Well, yeah, that would be post, that would be post transplant. But I think that um, we could probably dedicate a chapter. I mean, if you wanted to replace the caregiver with the donor story, we probably okay, could do that. Okay, we could do that. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to take it out right now. I'm going to take out caregiver. And I'm gonna just I'm just gonna call it the experience of meeting the donor's family. Right. I think that's good. Of meeting the donor's family. Okay. Yes. Done. You don't need to think about that one anymore. It's done. So okay. All right. Yep. So next week same time or, or ten o'clock or ten thirty. What works better for you? Um I would be I could do it whenever. I could do 10 o'clock. It's fine next week. Okay. Let's put it for 10 o'clock, and if we need to, you know, tweak it, just let me know. It worked out fine this time around, so. Okay. All right. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, good. And if you could send me a little email once you've had a chance to um, read the surprise visitor chapter, you know, once you've that's opened up on your phone or your computer or whatever. Um, okay. I would really appreciate that. Okay? okay. I will do. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thank you. And Thank Brianna, you. I think you're still there. Thank you. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. It, well, it says that she's there, but I don't know. So, anyway. All right. Thanks, Jim. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be right. December 16th, 2016, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Very good. Thank you. Oh, Pacific time. I'm sorry. 10 o'clock Pacific time. Right. So. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Thanks. All right. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Bye-bye.